Oh, here, let me record too. Sorry. How do I record, man? Welcome back to another after show. Another time where we talk about all of the movies that we have been watching this week. I have been watching a ton of movies. I've been getting back not. into the film spirit. Man, are you still stuck on Star Trek? I've been watching a lot of Star Trek. Have you watched any movies? Yeah, I watched one movie. Come on, man. <laughs> one movie? I was going to watch some Pressburger and Powell this week. This week was kind of weird. I just had like a lot of like late afternoons working. I was having a lot of like nights where I was getting home at like 8. And it's like, I don't want to watch a movie. No, I feel you. I get that. I just want to like play a game or watch Star Trek or some shit like that. Is Star Trek still great? Star Trek is still good. You know, I'm in the, I'm almost done with season three. I think I have like, what, 10 episodes left in season three. Season three is when the show, so they started Deep Space Nine while TNG was still on. And season three is the first season where TNG is done. So now Deep Space Nine is now the one and only Star Trek show that's on television. So I think it has a little bit more money and a little bit more attention put into it. It's not like that different from the previous two seasons, but there have been a lot of like very intense like moments and episodes, like the end of season two into the beginning of season three are really intense. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. There's one two-parter that's really good where they go back in time accidentally uh, to 2024. Oh, okay. What's 2024 look like? It sucks. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. I think the episode came out in 1994 or 1995. And they go back in time accidentally. I think they're in San Francisco. I think Federation headquarters is in San Francisco, I think. So they're in San Francisco. And yeah, two of the main characters, they get teleported there and then the police show up. One of the police is Dick Miller. And they force them into a sanctuary city, which is a uh, homeless encampment. Oh, no. And Bashir, Dr. Bashir, he's like, you know, I don't really know too much about 21st century history. But Benjamin Sisko, the other character who's the commander, he's like, oh, it's a, it's an interest of mine. And Bashir's like, why are all these people here? I don't understand. Like, this is terrible. And he's like, why are they here? Are they criminals? And he's like, nope, they don't have any jobs or money. So now they have <laughs> to live in the sanctuary. <laughs> I like little moments like that where it's a little on the nose, but it's kind of funny when the people writing it are just like, they're kind of like trying to write about like the current moment or whatever. Yeah. Like a sanctuary city. It's a fucking homeless encampment. And he's just like, nope, they didn't do anything wrong. They're not criminals. They're just no jobs and they don't have a job and they can't support themselves. And and Bashir's like, what? this person has mental illness. Like this person needs to go to a hospital. And he's like, they can't. Like, it's just like, okay. <laughs> that was a really good two-parter episode. A lot of like crazy, like moments and acting moments in the show too, in that season too. Yeah, I'm loving it, dude. It's such a good show. There's some stinkers. But 26 episodes per season, they're bound to be. How long is an episode? 45 minutes. Those are pretty long seasons for how long the episodes are. Yeah, 45-minute episodes, 26 episodes, seven seasons. Wow, that's that's a lot of content. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, it's almost 200 episodes, I think. That's insane. Yeah. It's easy with Star Trek because I think it's really easy to watch it at any time. And so I, I can just like put it on and... You know, sometimes I might like look at my phone or like play a game or something like that while I'm watching Star Trek. Sometimes I might not be. It's just kind of like the perfect show for that. You can watch it at any time doing whatever and you can pretty much gleam everything. It's kind of simultaneously comfy, but it's also interesting and well-written. Sometimes like there are things in it that are kind of silly and make me laugh. 
just very, very, very good. Deep Space Nine, though, once again, though, it's a little bit darker. It's a little bit less utopian. There's a little bit less of that utopian aspect, but it's still very good. But yeah, I only watched one movie, and it was a movie I saw in theaters, which was Megan. We decided to go see Megan, or Mthrigan. <laughs> Mthrigan. It's the only way to say it. It was decent. I don't have a lot to say about it. I recommend seeing it as early as you can on a weekday in a theater, because I think the movie is fun enough, but I wish it was a little bit better. I feel like it wasn't crazy enough, but I liked the Megan robot. I just wish there was just like more to the movie. It wasn't like very scary, which is okay. There's a lot of effort. It was fun. It was funny. It made me laugh. It was a decent movie, but it wasn't a particularly impressive or incredible one. It was just okay, which is pretty good considering it's a horror movie that came out in January, which, you know, right. studios put throw all their slop. Their worst films. Yeah. So considering that it came out in January, it's a horror movie in January. It was pretty good. But yeah, that was the only movie I saw this week. Wow. I think we're going to go see Infinity Pool this weekend. Ooh, that's going to be a blast. That's Cronenberg, right? The young Cronenberg? Brandon Cronenberg. Yep. We'll go see it, I think. You have to let me know how that is. They're not going to show that around. Actually, you know what? Maybe they are showing that. I think you're there. wrong. I bet I bet if you check, there'll be a few couple showings. I bet if you'll check, there'll I be a I think we couple. did this last week. And yeah. <laughs> I feel like they were. Yeah, we did this last week. And they were showing it. They're going to. They're showing it here, so. I might go see that. We'll see. I need something to go see because I I think my movie pass is here. Oh, I shit. Think. So I need to go fucking test this thing out because I'm ready. I'm ready to go to a fucking movie theater and and use my fancy movie pass thing. But I did go to the theater this week. I saw an M. Night Shyamalan movie. I actually saw two M. Night Shyamalan movies this week. Oh, uh, that movie too. We got to go see the movies in too, I think. I know you weren't particularly impressed with it, but we're still going to go see it. Yeah. So I have not really seen much of M. Night Shyamalan's work. I've seen yeah, his either. first film, Sixth Sense. I've seen Stuart Little, which he wrote. I've seen Avatar The Last Airbender, which is problematic for a whole lot of reasons that I don't think are necessarily M. Night Shyamalan's fault. I think there's a lot of reasons that that film was just never going to work. So people kind of blame him for that. Let it go. It's not really his fault. There's a lot of complications to that film that it just wasn't going to work. And this week I watched Old, which we have talked about in the podcast before because you watched it like a year ago. Yeah, not too long ago. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty fun. I mean, you know, it's exactly what you think the movie's going to be. Some people, yep. they go to a beach and they get old and there's a plot twist. And that's the movie. I mean, it's exactly what you expect the movie to be. Like, there's nothing. You know, and it's fun and silly. Crazy acting. The acting in that movie is just so wild, weird. I'm convinced that M. Night Shyamalan is an alien from another planet who has been studying humans for the last 20 years. And this is what he thinks humans are. I love it. Because there's no other way to, like, describe the writing of an M. Night Shyamalan films. Because they're weirdly stilted and they're acted weirdly. Yeah. Like, performances are always very strange. And it's never, like, the fault... I don't think of like any of the actors like it seems very much as if they were given this specific direction probably they're all great actors like they're top tier actors yeah, yeah. So. they're all very quality actors and they're given these strange performances to give and then the kids in the movies i don't know if m night Shyamalan's ever met a kid before so funny <laughs> they're so good you know we were yeah yeah like like the kids in his movies are great <laughs> they're weird the, the scene where they're well i'm trying to think of what the line was like 
we were talking about our our future careers or what, yeah. what was that thing where they're like at they're at the hotel future still. occupations our yeah. future occupations we were talking about our future occupations or something like that oh i just <laughs> love line reads like that are so good and so funny and so weird i just man that's just so crazy to me i love it i don't know what it is but in night Shyamalan has like this obsession with knowing everyone's career in the movie like he does this with every movie of his i've seen like where everyone's gotta say i'm this person and this is my job yeah <laughs> yeah yeah they do that in the movie too i remember that yeah <laughs> they do that a lot in old like more than yeah others. it's so good like they're yeah. constantly <laughs> like i'm a nurse or i'm oh, a fucking man. museum curator like so many times it's wild it's a good movie i don't care what people say it's a good movie oh yeah it's a blast it's dumb cinema but i think dumb cinema sometimes is great and i think that's exactly what this is i'm not even gonna say it's dumb I think it's transcended that. I don't think it's dumb. <laughs> it's transcended dumbness. I had a blast watching the film and just everything about it is so wacky and weird and strange. And it's a good time. And that final scene where they're flying over in the helicopter, yeah. part of me thought that like the helicopter was going to get pulled in by the magnetic you know, fucking <laughs> yeah. whatever. And they're all going to die on that beach. Because I could see him nice online doing something like that. He doesn't, but I could see it. Very fun film. So... I watched that in preparation for Inai Shyamalan's newest film, Knock at the Cabin, which is very strange for an M. Night Shyamalan movie. I think if you came into this film and didn't know who the director was, I don't think you would know it's M. Night Shyamalan. It's very different from anything I've seen from him or know of any of his past work. It's very well shot. It looks beautiful. The performances are on point and not stilted at all. They're not like his usual performances. Like they're very serious performances, all very good performances, a great cast here. David Butesta does a surprisingly good job in this film. I think he gives a lot of heart in this. The child actor, again, if there's one way to figure out it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie, it's through the child. The child actor is good. But again, the dialogue of the kid is so wild and just unhuman, most likely. But... It's not M. Night Shyamalan's usual wild, wacky tale. It's kind of boilerplate. Maybe part of the problem is the trailer just gives away too much. Maybe the trailers just kind of give the movie in a bit. I think the best way to experience this film is seeing as little as possible. I don't think that's always the case. I'm a huge fan of trailers. I love seeing a good trailer. But I think when it comes to this film, I think the trailer might have done a little too much. I think it might have given a little too much away. And... I think brought down the experience a bit. I would really enjoy watching this film again, maybe like five or 10 years from now when the trailer's way out of my mind, because I think it's a very competently made film. Everyone in it is very good. It's by far in Night Shyamalan's best looking film. It's a beautiful looking film. Of course, like almost all of his work, it's basically just one location, a couple of actors. That's pretty much it. He loves that kind of shit. It's based off of a book, which... I think some people will see as a benefit. Like if you're not someone who kind of likes the M.I. Shyamalan style, then I think you'll enjoy this film because it doesn't follow the prototypical M.I. Shyamalan stuff. And I think the most wild part about this film is there is no plot twist. It's exactly what you think the film's going to be from the moment you walk in to the moment that it ends. And I think for me... That's my biggest disappointment. I mean, it's so strange because like in some ways, this is probably his best film. Looks his best. It's probably his best writing. 
it's probably some of his best performances but at the same time it's sort of missing that classic m night Shyamalan touch to it it feels less like his film and more just like a very standard i mean good very well shot very well made film but more of like just you know one of a thousand directors who makes these kind of films like one of these one-off films and i think it's worth a watch i strongly recommend people go see it in theaters it's a fun watch it goes by really quick it's only 90 minutes and it goes by in a flash the stuff with the gay couple is a little on the nose a little heavy-handed i haven't seen the movie you can't, don't i'm not spoiling anything i'm not no spoiler no spoilers but i think you're gonna enjoy it i think you'll like it i will i'll watch it soon just don't go in the expectation with like your usual M. Night Shyamalan experience because it's not that. And I think that's really the only disappointment with the film because I think it's a very well-made film. I think it's a very enjoyable time. It's just if you go in expecting an M. Night Shyamalan film, you might be disappointed. But if you just go in to have a good time, I think you're going to have a good time. It's a good time. So that's my M. Night Shyamalan experience. I also watched Magic Mike for the first time. You've seen that movie before. Yeah, I've seen that movie. I like that movie. It's pretty good. It's so wacky that Steven Sonberg made this movie because the script doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. The script's kind of all over the place. And I think it's the weakest point. Not necessarily that the writing itself is bad, but the story is kind of just a bit nonsensical and doesn't really go anywhere. I There's just like a lot of ideas happening, but nothing seems to yeah finish which is strange. Like, I think there's some really interesting concepts in this. I like the idea of Shanning Tatum wanting to start his own furniture business. That character is really good. I like that character. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of Matthew McConaughey trying to open a new business venture. I like the idea yeah. of the drug stuff. But I think the problem with this film is they just tried to stuff way too many things into this film. I think just focus on one thing, you know, focus on Channing Tatum's thing or focus on Matthew McConaughey's sure. thing or the drug thing, or whatever, but like, just pick a thing, and focus on that, and so I found this film a bit unfocused, but Steven Sonnenberg, as always, very creative director, there's some really weird looking shots that you're just like, how the fuck did he get that shot, which I love, I mean, that's what makes Sonnenberg great. It's fine, it's just kind of like a middling movie, in my opinion, that's good. It's so yellow, it's one of the most yellow films I've ever seen. Yeah, Magic Mike is a pretty good movie. I like the sequel a lot. XXL's good? Okay, I want to see XXL. Magic Mike Double XL, I've seen twice. Oh, shit. <laughs> it is much more fun. Awesome. I feel like there wasn't actually that much like dance, like strip scenes. Is there more of that in the second one? It's all dancing. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. Those are the best parts. Like, that's what you're in it for. The idea is that like, so Matthew McConaughey is not in the sequel, which honestly, whatever. Because... Channing Tatum and the, his friends uh-huh. decide that they're going to travel across Florida to the stripping convention, and they're going to do <laughs> awesome. one last big show at the stripping convention. It's a road trip movie where they meet like different people along the way as well. Oh, that's awesome. And the dancing in the movie is very good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Channing Tatum has been in a bunch of dancing movies, right? And he used to be a stripper, so that's dope. Yeah, Channing Tatum, he's really good in it. It's way more involved in that way. And I don't know. It's just like a chill kind of like nice movie. Like the Magic Mike movie kind of ends on a sour note. Yeah. But the second movie is just all about your buds, your buddies. Oh, that's great. That's a fun movie. Their movie comes out soon. Going to see that one. Are you going to see it in theaters? I didn't realize it was coming out in theaters. I guess it would be coming out in theaters. Yeah. I might see it in theaters. It looks fun. Yeah, I might go see it. Looks like a blast. 
That's dope. I was hesitant because Magic Mike was fine, but I wanted to hear your opinion on XXL before I got into it. It's a really good movie. I like it. I'm pumped. So I watched that. I also watched Empire of Light, the new Sean Mendez, or is it Sam Mendez? Sam. Sam Mendez. Like all of Sam Mendez's work. It's boring. Shot by the great Roger Deakins. So visually very stunning. I can understand people's complaints. So the thing about this movie is nothing happens. And if you want to watch a movie where something happens, this is not the movie to watch. But I was in a place where I wanted to watch something like that. Because there's plenty of great movies where nothing happens. And if you want a good looking movie where like people just kind of sit around and talk and that's pretty much it. There, there's very little going on in this movie. I mean, nothing much happens. Basically, Olivia Coleman, she's sad. And then shit, she's more sad. And then she's slightly less sad. That's the whole movie. That's the plot of the movie. Cool. Great. <laughs> it's, of course, a movie about movies. I mean, I, I do love that it's all takes place in a movie theater. I mean, basically the whole film is shot in this one movie theater, which is a very cool looking movie theater. I don't know if it, Empire is like a real theater in London or not, but... Very cool looking movie theater, great set designs, great performances, but on the downside, nothing happened. So <laughs> that is that. And then the final movie I watched, which I would say is the opposite end of the spectrum Empire Light, is I decided to finally get into the Daniel Craig, James Bond saga. Jimmy watched the James Bond movies constantly when I was a kid. I mean, we had like 20 fucking DVDs of different James Bond movies from Bronson to Connery to uh, so many different James Bonds. And I realized when I was watching this film that I've actually never seen a James Bond film all the way through. I've seen many, many parts to James Bond movies. I know the characters extremely well. I know everything there is to know about Bond, the music, all of that. So it was a very strange experience because it was simultaneously a fundamentally new experience but extremely familiar because I grew up on these films, even though I've never watched them all the way through. Because as a kid, the old James Bond movies don't really uh, take, especially the older ones. Like a lot of those jokes kind of fly over your head and you just kind of miss it. And your kids, you're like, you don't really want to watch like a sexy lady or any of that stuff. So they never really grabbed my attention. But Casino Royale, fuck man. It's really fucking good. That's a dope-ass movie, dude. I did not expect it to hit that hard. That is a straight-up dope movie. It's so cool. It's fucking insane. I love it. Oh, my God. This James Bond, Daniel Craig, I don't know if this is the case for all of his films, but in this film, he's a fucking insane human being. Like, just wildly crazy maniac who's just out there murdering people. He's not, like, a very, like, suave James Bond. He's more like a crazy... He's a psychopath. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is... A wild romp and the action scenes are incredible. That whole parkour scene at the beginning, amazing. I mean, he's fucking jumping off walls and jumping into shit. And I love that this James Bond gets like really fucking hurt. Like he's yeah, fucking he running and say really shot. He gets beat up. Like this is not your classic James Bond. He gets in explosions. I love it. He's wild. He's crazy. He's got those crazy eyes. Oh my God. My biggest complaint and perhaps my only complaint with Casino Royale is I don't like the James Bond song for this movie. I don't like the opening song. And I think that's a big part of any James Bond experience. Wait, is that the Radiohead song? Is it? Andrew's looking this up. Are you sure this one's Radiohead? Or is it the next one's Radiohead? I know one of them is Radiohead, but I want to know what who did this song. I don't remember it. Let me see. I'm going to check it out. I mean, you got to like give love to Radiohead. So if it is Radiohead, I'm going to be disappointed because this... 
Oh, it's the Chris Cornell song. Oh, he died. Oh. So you're being disrespectful. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's a Soundgarden guy. Oh, okay. He's a singer of Soundgarden. He died not too long ago. I apologize. That song probably is just, if I remember correctly, is whatever. I'm not a fan. It's very mid-2000s rock. It just doesn't vibe with me. I think the visuals look cool. Sure. I, I like the, the animation that they do for it, but... That opening song is just so important. Like it, it sets the tone for the whole movie and it, it really gets you into everything. And I can remember so many opening numbers of James Bond films. It's probably the only thing I remember from James Bond films. It's the only thing I ever liked as a kid from a James Bond film. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it doesn't vibe with me. Just not my thing. I mean, that's fine. RIP. But otherwise, though. Yeah, kick ass movie. Wild. Awesome movie. Everyone's in it. It's great. I've seen the first three movies of this Craig movies and. You know, the second movie isn't very good. It's just okay. I've heard the second one's the worst. Yeah, Quantum of Solace is just okay. It's still worth watching, but it's just okay. I saw Skyfall, but I I saw that one in theaters when it came out. So it's been over 10 years now since I last saw it. Another Sam Mendes film. And the next movie too, Spectre, also a Sam Mendes film. I haven't seen Spectre. I haven't seen No Time to Die, obviously. I need to like rewatch Skyfall and then like watch Spectre and then watch No Time to Die. I need to do that soon. But Casino Royale, I mean... If I'm remembering correctly, I like Skyfall, but I don't think that movie is as good as Casino Royale. <laughs> Great relaunch of James Bond. So wild, so insane. Everyone in it is great. Great casting choices all around. What's even more wild is how much of this film is just people playing poker. Like there's a significant yeah. amount of this movie where it's just like people sitting, playing poker, and it's so good. Like you wouldn't think it'd be good because poker is extremely boring but it fucking works james Bond just has no idea what he's doing which i like this version of james bond because typically james bond is so suave and he's like i know everything too cool for school but this one he's like i'm fucking out of my depths and everyone's beating the shit out of me and i don't know what i'm doing and i think that really works with daniel craig's performance and and all of it works really well i also had to pause the film with 30 minutes left. So it was right after the torture scene. Yeah, the torture scene is awesome. Mads is murdered. <laughs> he destroys his balls. It's fucking insane. It is wild. Love it. The fact that you can put that in a PG-13 movie. Fascinating. This movie is not PG-13. I bet you it is. Let's look it up. The hell? You're wrong. No, you're right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, James yeah. Bond movies are notoriously PG-13 because they need the most audiences possible. They don't make R-rated movies. So the fact they got away with all that in PG-13 film, I mean, obviously you got some clout because it's James Bond and everyone behind it, but still absolutely wild. And then, like I said, I left with 30 minutes left. So right after the torture scene, because I had to go pick up Emily. And when I come back, there is a very big shift in tone because there's like a 15 minute honeymoon romp you could describe it yeah pretty much basically because it comes a classic rom-com which i did not expect at all and it was very surreal to leave the movie with one sort of film and then come back to almost a completely different film i couldn't really understand why this was going on like i didn't get it i was really hoping it wasn't like some sort of fucking dream sequence which thank god it wasn't that would have been awful and she fucking dies and she fucking dies yeah she betrayed him <laughs> there's the a big betrayal yeah and that's what it gets Right? That's the whole moral of the movie. That's what he gets for trusting someone. Like, he trusts one person. This fucking insane human one person. <laughs> There's one person. That person gets everybody killed. Wild. But that $120 million, it's still out there. They Great movie. James Bond's out there. He's killing people. He's beating people up. He's getting beaten up. 
great romps through Venice and fucking Madagascar and all these different places. Very fun. The action in Quantum of Solace is just not as good. It just can't hit it. It's too bad. It's bad. It's unfortunate. But I'm still going to watch it because I want to I see all of them. It's still worth watching, yeah. Because they're all connected for No Time to Die. Like, I know that they all, like, interlink. Yeah, they're all they're all connected. Yeah, yeah. And other than Qualm of Solace, I've only heard good things about the other ones. I've heard Skyfall's great. I've heard the one after Skyfall is good. And I hear No Time to Die is the best. Some say it's the best James Bond movie. What? From my sources, I've always, I think people still consider Casino Royale to be the best one. But maybe I'm wrong. It's good. It's going to be hard to beat. Like I said, it's the first full James Bond movie I've seen. Maybe I'll go back at some point, but I don't know. Like a lot of those James Bond movies, from what I remember as a kid, they're pretty boring. Like it's just a lot of, uh, I don't know. I feel like I should at least attempt some of the old James Bond stuff. Some of them are probably really fucking rough to watch. Some of them are probably really hard because yeah. they're boring and nothing happens. There's so many. I mean, there's, what, 26 James Bond films or something like that? There's so fucking many. I don't know. I haven't pursued that project yet. Maybe one day. But after I finish the Craig movies, I might. But I, I don't know. I don't know if I eventually. Craig first. And then we'll figure out next steps from there. But I want to at least see a couple of them. The ones I remember the most are the Pierce Bronson ones, which are the ones from the 90s. Right. Those are probably pretty fun for the most part. Yeah, I remember a Sean Connery one, but I don't know. I have no idea which one it was or what happens in the movie. There's a lot of them. There's so many. There's just so many James Bond movies. Who's going to be our next James Bond, Andrew? Who's next 007? It's me. <laughs> I know it. Who cares? Let's just end it. No, no. They got to do James Bond. They got to do it forever until the end of time. I mean, it's insane. This guy writes like a couple of books and they just make movies forever off of this one idea. And they're just going to keep doing that until the end of time. I mean, he's like a mythical character, right? He's just like your Aesop Fables or anything. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Aesop Fables. It's the same idea. It's like this kind of sure. mythical character that's kind of ingrained in our American and British culture. So I love it. I will watch James Bond films forever as long as they're not terrible. We'll see who's next. But Daniel Craig's done. I mean, he said he was done before, but now he's he's really done. He's really done. <laughs> yeah, I think he's really done, yeah. We'll see. I don't know. It's probably gonna be one of those things where, you know, they make a couple more James Bond films and then Daniel Craig's gonna be super old and they're gonna be like, we'll give you a shit ton of money give him back. to like show up and do like a cameo or some shit. It's gonna happen. Just wait. We'll see. But yeah, that's fucking all the movies I watched. I watched a lot of movies. I watched a movie pretty much every day and it was great. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I also got to the fourth season of The Wire. So this is the season with the school. Right. This is a great season. As I've talked about The Wire, I've been pretty kind of hit or miss with it. I was like, the first two seasons, eh. the third season started to get good. But the fourth season is genuinely, it's just good on its own. It's just very good. It's very interesting to see like the politics of schools themselves and the way they kind of get money from the government by, because there's this whole plot where one of the characters has to go out and get kids to come into class but only for one day because the government gets paid as long as they kids show up at least one day. Like they get paid for all of those kids. And the school's just like, I legitimately do not care if they show up for more than one day. Like they just need to show up this day in September and this day in October. Yeah. That's it. And this guy's like, what, what, what the fuck? It's awesome. All of the, just like the political 
complications that are mixed between all these things. It's wild. McNulty is in very little of it, which was a great move. But McNulty's a likable character in this season, which is a first. It's such a strange move from the last few seasons. It's very different, but it really works. And I think there's only five seasons, so I think I only have one more season of this. So I'm halfway through season four. I think season five, as you said, is about like the newspaper or the press or something, which I'm interested in. But yeah, we'll see. Hope the last season will be good too. And then, I don't know. I mean, that's probably only another week or two. I'll probably be done by the next time we talk with The Wire. So I will not be done with Star Trek at all by the time we talk. It's going to take you a long time to get through that, sir. Well, now since you're finishing The Wire, now you got to watch Star Trek. You got to start watching the Star Trek. I mean, I want to. It's just that's such a large endeavor. It is. Maybe. I mean, I'm going to take a minute and figure it out. But for me, watching Star Trek, at least with like TNG and DS9, it almost never feels like a chore when I watched it. When I watch DS9, it doesn't feel like a chore. I'm just kind of chilling out, which I think is why it makes it so easy for me to watch it is that at least for me, like it just doesn't feel like I'm trying to sit down and like, okay, I'm going to watch, <laughs> force myself to watch season one of The Wire. You know, it's like when I'm watching Star Trek, I'm just like, yep, I'm hanging out. I'm vibing with my buddies. Maybe, maybe we'll see. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else I'd watch. I kind of wanted to watch Twilight Zone, but I don't know. Like the original? Yeah, I've seen like the first season or two. But the thing about the Twilight Zone is there are episodes that are very dialogue heavy, so it'd be easy to watch while I'm working. But there are also other episodes that the visual aspect's very important. <laughs> and so it just might be too challenging to watch in the format that I watch TV, which is while I do work. So yeah, maybe Star Trek's next. It's probably going to be next. Yeah, the thing about Star Trek is that like, Sometimes there's some visual elements, of course. It's a fucking visual medium. Right. For the most part, they take place on a lot of the same places. That's kind of the thing, kind of consistent. TNG in the original series, they're on the Enterprise. Right. Once you watch the first <laughs> few episodes, you get kind of the idea of like where things are and where they are and what they're doing. And I think it's a pretty good show to watch while working. Maybe not all the time, but... I don't think anything is ideal to watch while you're working, but I like having Star Trek on occasionally just to watch. Like I said before, though, the original series for me was hard to get into, and I watched maybe a few episodes, and I just couldn't get into it. And then I just skipped to TNG, and I just started watching TNG. I would say more or less immediately enjoyed, started enjoying it. Yeah, I'll get into it. I mean, I do need something that's kind of less... The stakes are a bit lower. And I know with like some of Star Trek stuff, it's a little bit more utopian, so... Eh. There's some pretty high stakes. <laughs> I, I would say like that's kind of the good thing about the show is that they'll have episodes where the issue doesn't seem like that crazy, but it's still an issue and they're trying to solve it. Or then they have like another and the next episode will be an issue of like, oh, my God, if we don't do X or Y, like the universe will be destroyed. <laughs> Shit. Like, oh, no. <laughs> like, you know, that time one I was talking to you about. Yeah. They go back in time. They accidentally do something that changes the future. Oh, shit. And so you go back to the, the characters in the future and they're like, oh, my God, the Federation is gone because oh, they did something where like the Federation never existed. And so they're like, oh, my God, we have to fix the timeline so the Federation can exist again. So stuff like that is very like that's wild high stakes. But then there's also ones where it's just like so and so wants to ask out a person, a girl or something <laughs> like a character wants to ask out a girl or something. I think it'd be good to get into. So I'll finish up the wire. 
let you know my final thoughts if it's everything people say it is. I mean, the fourth season's really good, but still, like, one of the greatest shows of all time. Eh, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe the final season will be so good. You're probably not. It's just probably super overrated and hasn't aged as well as maybe it could have. That's a good point. Yeah, we'll see. Well, that's pretty much it. My end. That's all I've been doing. That's pretty much it for me, too. Like I said, just... You forgot anything. <laughs> you got, like, the one thing. I know. I just I just had... Well, I watched one movie. It's very weird. I don't know. Uh, I just have... Like I said, this week was really weird anyway. I just found myself working late. So hopefully this week will be a little bit better. And I don't know. Maybe this week we'll try to see Infinity Pool and then knock at the cabin. And But, uh, yeah, I just haven't really been very movie-minded lately. I've been Star Trek-minded. No, it's fine. I'll just carry this entire podcast on my shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, yeah. Now you got it. All right. Well, thank you all for listening, and until next time. Thank you.